Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Sportsnet 360. It's Ben Ennis, it's Blake Murphy. It's the return of the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight. Game one of the Eastern Conference Final in the hockey mecca that is Raleigh, North Carolina. It's been weeks since we had hockey, it feels like. Well, and it's been a long time since the Panthers have played a hockey game because they summarily dismissed the Toronto Maple Leafs in five games. So good for them. They're well rested now. Too much rest, though. They might have lost all oh. the momentum of upsetting the Bruins and then the Leafs. You know? Oh, have we decided that it's rust versus rest? Then they they are they're rusty. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna go with rust over rest because it, the the time off. I mean, not only were they a momentum team, but uh, it gave a window for Tervinen to to get back for yeah. Carolina, which is a pretty big swing piece. I don't know. Shayna would know better than I would how the days off affect them. But I'm leaning, I'm leaning advantage Carolina for the I extra break. I think what could be a problem is if Sergei Bobrovsky had time to look at his hockey reference page and it's like, oh, wait, what, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. That, that could be a problem for the Panthers. Let's talk to uh, Shayna Goldman of the Athletic and the Too Many Men podcast. How's it going, Shayna? Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, so let, let's start there then. Let's start with the, the Eastern Conference uh, final. This does feel like pretty prototypical great offense team versus great defense team. Is that how you see it? Yeah, kind of. I mean, you also have the best, like with the Hurricanes, I, I just think of them so much more than just their defense. They're the Corsi Canes. They're, you know, a highly rated team and expected goals. For them, it's it's the best forechecking team. It's the most suffocating team. It's a team that has the best foundation, the best system, a system that legitimately is their identity. And you can't say that about anybody else versus the Florida Panthers who lost their identity last year and have found, you know, like found it in a new way this year, you know, the scrappier team. So I think it does make for like a little bit more of an intriguing matchup versus just offense and defense alone. It sounds like from that that maybe you're leaning toward Carolina or at least on, on merit, Carolina should be ahead a little bit. Um, Shana, what do you nope. make? No? Nope. Oh, okay. Uh, it, I mean, it, you laid out more strengths for them, but I, I guess um, in terms of you know, the battle lines on which this series is going to be fought. We could talk about some X factors. I know you wrote a great piece about the Florida Panthers um, power play and what they need to do to be better. But before we get to that, um, the Paul Maurice uh, versus Rod Brendamore coaching matchup, what what do you make of that? And, you know, is is there a lean in terms of who has the coaching edge in this series? I want to give it to Brendamore because of what he's built with the Hurricanes. It's, It's their identity, their hardworking attitude, systematically they're so sound that it's everything you want from a coach, right? Like he has it from all aspects. Plus he's someone that can make you run through a wall. So we love that for him. But on the other side, Paul Maurice is someone I wasn't a fan of the hiring. I'm the first one to say it. I didn't like him in Winnipeg. I thought he ran out of ideas, ran out of how to execute the ideas. Mm. And it was more than just his voice getting stale, but I give him a lot of credit. Uh, Sometimes the coach after some time off, and for him it wasn't a huge amount of time off, but time off nonetheless can give you a little bit of a refresher. And it does feel like he has that now because he's found the Panthers' strength of their rush game and worked on the forechecking. And he's maximizing certain players. We know Verhage's good. We know Kachuk's good. We know Barkov's good. It's not about that. It's about the rest of the lineup, the guys like Brandon Montour. Why he breaks number one defenseman like Aaron Ekblad and before that Josh Morrissey, I don't know. That's just a weird one. But I think that he's done a really good job with the Panthers. I still give the edge to Rod Brindamore, but if Paul Maurice wants to prove me wrong once again, by all means. All right, so why are you leaning against the, the Corsi Canes then? Why, 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 why you know, I, I mean, it's, it's the, the, the coaching advantage, I get it. But, yeah, why, why, why are the, the Panthers getting the, the lean for you? 
It's very slight, and that's what I think makes this series so exciting. I like it when it's a close battle. I think the thing is with the Panthers, I mean, we could go super cheesy. They can scratch and claw their way mm-hmm. back, and they're the comeback cats and all of that, right? Um, but there, there's something about the way that they're attacking matchups uh, that impresses me, that you have Barkoff on one line leading the way, and you know they can play a two-way game, and then you have Matthew Kachuk's line. That is not star power. He is the star power. That's it. And you can have supporting guys with him and make it all click. It's the adjustments they've made along the way to their power play. They understood after going all year, 94% of the league uses four forwards, one defenseman on their power play. The Panthers didn't, and it wasn't very good this year. You can just see it kind of all coming together now, making the right tweaks when they need to. The fact that they were creating a ton of chances but not finishing it. At some point, generally, that changes, and it has for them. So for me, like those are the things that give them that slight bit of an edge. They have a really good forecheck now. The goaltending's been great. That I like it. You know, I like the Panthers slightly more. And also the true, the truest reason, Vault. My dog predicted them to win, and she hasn't <laughs> led me wrong yet. So I have to stick with her. But did you? Don't you have three dogs? Did the, don't you go best two out of three in terms of which of your dogs no. is uh, is? No. Okay. Um, last- I gave them all a shot in round one, and. Two of them got knocked out in round one off the bat. One of them, who has won before, she picked the Blues a couple of years ago. She had um, the Panthers winning it all. And then after round two, she kept the Panthers going to the Stanley Cup final, but has Dallas winning. And I was like, you know what? You're, you seem to be the one that's on the right path. So we stick with her this time. All right. Uh, last one for you on this series. Um, Jacob Slavin having a, a pretty tremendous playoff so far. A ridiculous plus 14. I know we don't put a ton into plus minus uh, anymore, but it's still a, an eye-popping number. On the other side, Brandon Montour leading the Panthers in uh, minutes by far in the playoffs and six goals already. Um, how do you see the, the the defensive side shaking up, especially when it comes to each side's top defenseman. Yeah, so the, the Canes probably have the advantage here, and the fact is that Jacob Slavin is so elite. He has, they've been able to put a different defenseman with him. I, he made Tony D'Angelo look good. I mean, come on. <laughs> Before that was Dougie Hamilton. Now it's Brent Burns and the resurgence from Burns. That pair has been incredible. Maybe the best defensive pair of the playoffs so far. Um, the problem is the Shea Pesci pairing that was outstanding all regular season hasn't been as good in the playoffs and they had a really tough time against New Jersey. They need them to straighten out and play a little bit better. But I think the third pair edge goes to the Canes on the flip side though. Montour has been a revelation the way he's playing, the way they've maximized him. He has become their number one defenseman this year because Ekblad stepped back a bit and Forsling's very good. The other one is Radko Gudas who feels like going to the Panthers was the best thing to ever happen to him because he's a tough physical defenseman, but he actually has good numbers below the surface too, and has played very well you know, as long as they maximize him. I think the big difference, though, besides the high points of the Montours and the Slavins, is the weak points. The Panthers have more of those. You have Mark Stahl playing on your second pair. It's going to drag you down. Versus the Kane's third pair, someone like Gosses Bear, who's a very good defenseman if you can utilize him right, which they figured out. That's the difference. I think it's the weak points. Mm-hmm. Do you, so do you buy the Sergei Bobrovsky, like the, the playoff Bob thing that, that appears to be happening uh, for the Panthers? He, he was outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Second best uh, series from a goalie so far this postseason. Chesterkin has the edge for him, for him and goal saved what expected in round one. It's very narrow. The thing with Bob is it's how he does when he starts playing those consecutive games, right? We know his game starts to, you know, fall apart then, but he has rest right now. And I think the rest is so big for him. Yes, he could come in rusty, but he also came in rusty to round one, and it took him a second to get his groove. But once he found it, he's been in gear since. 
He's so competitive. He's so athletic. I think we're seeing all the strengths of his game, but there's the inconsistency of a position that's already super volatile. I think the rest is going to be a good thing for him. And if not, you still have Alex Lyon, who is a very serviceable backup and got, you know, the Panthers here. It's so interesting because you have two teams that can rotate their nets pretty easily. Yeah. The other conference final, um, maybe that's going to be the case for Vegas, but we know Jake Ottinger is going to be in net for the Stars and maybe among the favorites for for the Con Smythe at this current moment in time. Um, what's your read on that? You know, it's weirdly, it seems... Um, it seems like an unsexy series based on how people have talked about it, but then you dig in and, and like most of the really intriguing individual players still left in the playoffs are in this series. You've got Jack Eichel's kind of arrival to a next level. Um, what is the thing you're, you're most looking forward to in, in stars golden lights? Yeah, I think it's a good series. Like I know everyone's kind of bummed out at the market, but who this is, but I, I really do think that both series are going to be interesting. And I think it's going to be a lot better than round two. For Golden Knight stars, you have, like, the narrative approach, right? You have the revenge series for Peter DeBoer. You have the revenge series for the Golden Knights, who lost to the stars in the Western Conference Final in 2020 and went out and got Petrangelo to try to match up to them a little bit better. And you have the Dadanoff angle, too, who's, you know, he's doing very well in Dallas. The thing with this series that I'm looking for is how Vegas handles the matchups because they have the advantage that a lot of teams don't. You have two lines that could you know, play that shutdown game. You have William Carlson who can handle it on one side. You have Mark Stone. And on the back end, you have Petrangelo and Shea Theodore. Not many teams have two defensemen and two forward lines ready for that. Mm-hmm. And I like the way that they've paired the forwards for Vegas. You know, it, it, it's Eichel with Marcheseau, and it's Smith with Carlson, and it's um, Stevenson and Stone. I think it makes for, like, a really interesting lineup because they can easily just throw that third player around and see what clicks if they need to. But for Dallas, it's going to be containing the top guys because – that top line, the Robertson line, they weren't scoring as much in the last series, and Robertson specifically wasn't. Below the surface, they were dominant in their minutes, so I have to think that they're going to start showing up on the score sheet more. So it's all about how Vegas can contain them, and I think that'll be a fun matchup. You have the rush game of Vegas versus the way the Stars control the neutral zone really well, like who comes out on top. Mm-hmm. Anyway, your dog picked the Stars, right? You said Stars are going to win it all? He did, yeah. Okay, all right. All right. Uh, yeah, that's what she said after round two. So, right. which, you know, she had them losing round one originally, so we'll give her that. But Ooh. round two, she recovered, and I don't know. I'm feeling good about it. Okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah, her <laughs> being off already in, in round one, not not great, but okay. We'll, we'll go with that. Talking to Shanna Goldman with of the, the Panthers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Shanna Goldman of The Athletic and the Too Many Men, uh, Too Many Men podcast. So we just... Uh, before we had you on the last segment, Shana, we were talking about this Kyle Dubas thing, which I know you guys also hit on on your podcast, the fact that, you know, he had that uh, pretty emotional, I would say, media availability on Monday, talking about the the, the struggles his family has gone through, a very trying season, obviously, for, for him, and it's it's affected his family life, and that we still haven't had a resolution to whether he has signed an extension, whether the Maple Leafs are deciding to move off of him. What do you make of the silence since that that media availability on Monday? I think having a second to pause and think is good for everybody. I know, like, we as media people hate it because we want chaos and we want to know things and we don't want to be left lingering. But, you know, for me, I looked at that press conference originally and I was like, I like what he's saying. I like that he's being thoughtful and he wants to stay here and it's a family decision. It's not an easy market. We have heard players say it before. It is not an easy market to be in and to be like, the you know, He's the one at the helm with, if he makes a bad decision, he's going to take the heat for it. Rightfully so it's his job. 
you know, but if players just underperform, which is out of his control, it's going to fall on him too. So I, I like that. But Alison Lucan, who's smarter than me, comes back and says, does he still have the passion? And it's a good question to ask. Does he still want to be here? Is this his obligation? Is he ready, you know, for this next challenge? And I think it's good to ask the question on both sides. So it gives everybody else something to contemplate. Is this the right fit? Does everybody have their, you know, enough juice to go forward? Do they have fresh ideas to bring on what to do differently? Um, so I, I'm not worried about the silence. I think it's good for everybody to just kind of take a pause, get away from the emotions of the playoffs, get away from the emotions of the exit day, kind of just unfold and figure out what to do next. It's also a long weekend here, so, you know, you could take a little extra uh, time to think it over. Um, Shane, I guess I don't – I mean, we all probably have uh, some sense of, you know, draft day being the the kind of absolute last – uh, point in time you, you'd want something like this sorted, not just for the draft, but because the Leafs have so many big decisions with that July 1st uh, date looming where Matthews becomes extension eligible and a few other guys have, have no movement clauses uh, kick in. I'm you know trying to be as empathetic and patient as media needs to be. Is there a point at which this would become a bigger question mark for you? Like, like if we're at the end of next week, say, and it's still radio silence, does it start to become more of an issue at any point or, or more of a curiosity? I would say anything in June is when okay. the pressure, I think, is going to rise up. Because you still need, if you're not bringing Dubas, you have to interview people, you have to bring them in, actually hire them, let them bring their people in, and then come up with like a draft strategy and off-season strategy and everything like that. The new person coming in should have the time to figure out what to do next. I know the Leafs don't have a ton of picks, but it, it would still be ideal to have that off-season plan. The you know, free agency is a minute after the draft. So I think that you just need to have one ounce of you organized by then. So, it, And ideally, you give someone the time to do that and don't just throw them in. And then if they fail, which you really can't afford to have here, the Maple Leafs, when you look at everyone's contract, you, know, you have to maximize this next year and the year after that. Granted, everything goes smoothly with Matthews. You know, ahead of that uh, expiring contract, you know, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't help to have someone playing from behind the entire time. Shana, in terms of some of those offseason uh, decisions, I know that uh, you and Harmon had a piece up at the Athletic this week that was kind of going through who who helped their stock and hurt their stock during the playoffs so far ahead of free agency. Dom had a piece up today uh, going through what's got to be like the least exciting free agent class uh, we've seen in some time. But in terms of a couple of the, the Leafs key free agents. Um, you came away a little, you and Harmon came away um, thinking Ryan O'Reilly, Luke Shen, stock up? Yeah, I think so. I think the fact of Ryan O'Reilly, the fact that he showed that he still has it in him to produce offensively after that was so down in St. Louis, like it really showed like he was doing everything right in St. Louis below the surface, but he had no one around him. The one element that I do think needs to be looked at a little bit more is defense at this point. Can he carry a line in a shutdown capacity? you know, on her, on his own, if he can't, that's okay. You can, you know, supplement that you can figure it out and maximize him in the right role. But I, I think that he's someone that has stock up and Luke Shen was a little bit more of a surprise for me because it felt like he was someone that could be overrated for the, you know, the, the more physical elements and, and the character elements, which are important, but get overvalued. But I think he did enough to show again, in a different environment, what he can do. All right, last one for you, Shana, and, and it's going to be more emotional than Kyle Dubas's Monday press conference. It's going to be more emotional than when mm-hmm. anyone lifts the cup in a couple of weeks. Uh, last night, 
Adam Hangman Page yeah. reuniting with the elite. I know this is a big moment for you. Uh, how are you feeling uh, about the reuniting of uh, one of the best groups in pro wrestling? It was perfect. No notes. Um, you know, we were watching last night. My friends and I were like, wait, this, there's no main event. Once we saw, like, you know, there's a couple minutes left on Callis' as the main event, you knew it was going to be good. And it was. It delivered each element without even saying anything. You know, Kenny and Hangman, friends again. A lot of content to come. We're very excited for it. It was it was a long build to get here, but now we're here. Besties reunited. It's It's been good. You know, very excited about that. Me too. Uh, looking forward to uh, a fun summer head. And, you know, I, I we were talking about this on Twitter. You know, it's not long after the draft. Uh, pretty big event here in Toronto. If it happens to bring you this way this summer, uh, we can make it some sort of hockey slash wrestling symposium. Uh, you know, that way maybe the athletics foot in part of the bill or something. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, the crossover <laughs> of hockey and wrestling is too good to, to avoid. Of course. Uh, thanks so much for this, Shane. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. There's Shana Goldman of the Athletic Too Many Men podcast. Um, wrestling aficionado as well. I, I generally know like the names of wrestlers when you're t- I, there's a man named Hangman. Yeah. Hangman. Adam hangman? <laughs> hangman. Adam He's Adam. a hangman. Well, I'm just trying to say yeah. it like you say program yeah, all no. the time. Um, okay. Yeah. He's, he kind of, if you know the actor Wyatt Russell, uh, he looks just like him. Um, Don't know him either. Yeah, you do. You'd know him to see him. Okay, I don't um, know his name. Anyway, uh, it was a fun little night, and it, there's a there's a very interesting thing across. I don't know if it applies to baseball and football analytics Twitter as well, but certainly with hockey and basketball analytics Twitter, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the like analytics pockets of those Twitters are also the wrestling pockets of those Twitters. Like, what is if that? you, I don't understand. I've actually, I've tried to talk to Seth Partnow about this before. Seth Partnow, who's a, um, he was a head of analytics for the Bucks at one point, and now he's a writer at The Athletic. Um, and he used to be my editor back at, at Nylon Calculus. Um, but he is like, he was like running an NBA front office and like is also a, will tweet about wrestling mm. and stuff. And I've and there's I've, a Kyle Dubas crossover here, like huge wrestling fan, right? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, he was maybe at that's Summer his Slam next move. when it was here uh, a couple years ago. Was he? Yeah, I mean, I, he's got young kids. They're fun events for I think for kids. Too young. Like I think they're they're aren't they like infants? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, uh, anyway, there is a weird <laughs> like analytics and wrestling crossover <laughs> okay. that I don't. We gotta dig down on that. Yeah, because I think the stereotype of wrestling fans is not that. Like mm-hmm. you might think they're like nerds or whatever, but mm-hmm. it tends to be on the like. Mm-hmm. Lower... Yeah, get out of here! It's more like I test people. You would think are be more into the wrestling the than people looking who at want the numbers. More fighting in hockey, yeah. that kind of. But there is this weird, at least on hockey and basketball Twitter, uh. um, the 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 more analytic friendly the author, the more likely you're going to see a wrestling tweet from them. It's very bizarre. Yeah, that is strange. I would like you to dig down on that and figure it out. I would like you to write something for sportsnet.ca, okay? Yeah, okay. Why why do all the people you read the smart work of, um, why is it they only shut their brain off with wrestling instead of... I don't know, like reality TV or yeah, something like right. that. Right. Maybe they like that as well. Um, no, I, I think so. My my thought has always been it scratches the same part of the brain. But like I've never finished a season of reality TV. Really? Um, of anything. I've tried a couple times. Like even the home renovation stuff? Like that stuff Nothing. is, oh, 
I can't, can't I can't, can't get, get there a with better any formula. And I think, and it's the same with like, I don't know, the people who watch the Kardashians or Vanderpump mm-hmm. rules or whatever. Like, I think we all need something that lets us turn our brain off a little mm-hmm. bit and some empty calorie viewing. And for me, wrestling like scratches. Like fan drive time. Like you just throw on Sportsnet 360 yeah. and yeah, you just turn the sound right off. And yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway. So it's not uh, the reality TV part of your brain that no, is activated it's the same part but there's only so much space so like oh, i scratch okay. it with wrestling like wrestling fills that oh, hole for it. me so and, you don't get the same satisfaction but no it sounds I've different never, but you know, it sounds different you're just saying that it's filled up with wrestling and that it, it, it's 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 sass, I, no, it's satiated I, I just, it's not a part of the brain i just think that everyone has something like mm. that and for okay. me you don't have the bandwidth for for more than one thing then yeah for more than one dumb thing all right um, it's uh, it's very very serious sports only. Okay, well, like like what the Blue Jays playing the Orioles this weekend. This weekend marks mm-hmm. the unofficial start of summer with Blue Jays May two four weekend presented by Ryobi to celebrate. We've been giving away tickets all week. Uh, we're giving away tickets again today to tomorrow's game against the Baltimore Orioles. To enter, text the code word Gosman to five ninety five ninety right now to enter for your chance to win again. Text Gosman to five ninety five ninety. Pair of tickets for tomorrow. Uh, we've been giving them away all week. This is a weekend you don't want to miss. The first fifteen thousand entrants on Friday get a Blue Jays mesh hat, and the first fifteen thousand entrants on Saturday get a Blue Jays pickleball paddle. Yeah, that's serious, serious stuff. I feel like there's a million giveaways at all these Blue Jays games, especially early on in the season. There are so many. I was going through the promotional schedule today because I'm trying to think ahead of, like, in planning mode for yeah. the, the station's transition stuff. I'm like, okay, what should be on my radar? You know, the, you know, Pride Weekend's coming up. Get a guest around that or mm-hmm. something. And I'm looking at the promotional schedule, and it's just, like, every day. Yeah. Might be correlated to and like the baseball team, and we know it's a good baseball market, but might be correlated to the Blue Jays having this huge boost in attendance this season, like and the yeah. renovations. It's all part of it. But you look at where the Blue Jays were last year, and maybe it's just everybody getting finally over the pandemic of it all. Mm-hmm. But they're third in the American League in average attendance uh, at Rogers Center. This we know people will show up for this baseball team when they're good, and they're good this season, despite the fact they play in the the meat grinder that is the American League East. But yeah, I, I wonder. I like, give that. I'm sure that's part. I okay, are there give you you mentioned there's giveaways like there's so many of them they must taper off at the end of the season. This is smart though if it if it's at the beginning of the year to get people into the building, especially when there are these new fan angles uh, things to, to to check out and and hang out around. I don't think it does cool off. All right, it like goes even forever. The, the last home weekend of the season is uh, fan appreciation weekend. How can you be weekend? making money so when you're giving like, stuff away for free how can all that year? Be profitable for Frito Lay. <laughs> To quote the greatest line delivery in movie history. But yeah, there's like like a Jose Brios bobblehead on September 15th. Um, a Take whole weekend easy. of fan appreciation, the the final weekend of the season. There's a Harry Potter day. I, I don't know what, what you that? get for that. I don't know. I, I think you get stuffed in a locker is the promotion for that. Uh, wow. <laughs> me, my wrestling ivory tower. Yeah, I was going to say, like, people. there are things uh, that are even too nerdy and for you. Also on the... On the promotional schedule is uh, for you sickos all through the city. There's Looney Dogs every Tuesday, oh, yeah. so you can pad Shy Davidi's numbers and alarming. Actually, yeah. I mean, the fact that it's like per person going up. It's not just that there's more hot dogs being consumed, but like, yeah, people. We're almost up to two hot dogs a person, which like, yeah, not everybody's obviously eating hot dogs. Somebody's making up for a lot of those human beings. So that's uh, well done, I guess, on the on the Looney. Uh, Hot dog night. Um, before we take the break, you alerted me to the the fact that Joe Wall is still playing hockey oh, right yeah. now. 
<laughs> I, I was not aware of this. Like, this is the, the future of the goaltending position for the Toronto Maple Leafs acquitted himself more than adequately when forced into duty against the Florida Panthers after Ilya Samsonov went out with his upper body injury, which ended up being a neck, actually. It wasn't a concussion, which we all expected, but it was it was a neck injury, and he'll probably be back uh, as a restricted free agent with arbitration rights as well. But, I mean, if we're forecasting into the future, it'll be Joe Wall and Samsonov, and Samsonov probably gets, like, the lion's share of the starts, especially in the outset, but, like, the possibility of Wall usurping him and being the number one goalie, I don't think out of the realm of possibility at all. Anyways... He's still playing hockey because the Marlies are still playing hockey and they're like, your season's not over, fella. And maybe you can help spark a comeback from a two games to nothing series hold against the Rochester Americans. Yeah, North Division Finals. uh, The Marlies lose game one, 4-3. Not a bad game by all accounts, but Eric Schalgren, a bit rough. Uh, The next game out, they get peppered 7-4. Eric Schalgren and Keith Petrozelli split the time. Neither of them particularly uh, good in that one. So they're like, hey, Joe Wall, go. This is uh, when Raptors 905 won the championship. This is what they did with Fred Van Vliet. Mm-hmm. We need you up for the Milwaukee Bucks series, mm-hmm. but the 905 are down in the G League finals. Go get a ring and then come back and join us. Um, it worked out for Fred Van Vliet. It did not work out for Joe Wall, who... They lost eight to four. He gave up seven goals on 35 shots. Yeah, that's a lot. Seven's a lot. Like, that's where we're approaching double digits. What, what do you make of that? I make of it like it's the end of the season. The, the, I mean, the based on the scores in that series, the Marlies hadn't been playing their sharpest mm-hmm. defensive hockey. They've got a few injuries and stuff. I haven't been watching the games, obviously, with how much else is going on. Um, my big question now, though, is uh, we got our Newfoundland Growlers uh, starting the Eastern Conference Finals tomorrow. Do they send him down there? Go one level further yeah. and uh, and do even more with it. Uh, I Probably doubt it. not. I, I doubt it very, very much. I, I would say that even, you know, yeah, I, I understand the, the thought process that goes with it. And so many, so many great National Hockey League players have had, you know, have won Calder Cups and, and have played well in the American League. So I do understand that thought process. But he just played in the playoffs. Yeah. And like... I, I can't imagine a bigger bring down for him than like the high of playing in these must win playoff games for the Toronto Maple Leafs where so much is on the line to I get it. So much is on the line in these uh, AHL playoff games, but you think comparing the two, you can't. That's and, the thing and, is like, it's there. It's very good experience for players on the way up. Sure. But I, I would find it difficult, you know, maybe if it's like, if it's Connor Timmins or Victor Mete or something like that, someone who wasn't a part of the on ice well, part of honestly, of, like Matthew Nyes, like the, a guy who had perilously little pro experience, mm-hmm. right, and looked great in the play. Like if if he had been healthy, gotten through that series, and like hey, we and was eligible to play in the AHL. Hey, we want you to go play with the Mar- that would have made sense. This guy yeah. played a full AHL season. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably other than just randomness and the Marlies not playing well. That's probably the best explanation for why he was bad like he was like he's been great in the ahl this year and the nhl he's been really really solid um as for uh the growlers don't think he's uh i don't think he's taking the job from dryden mckay we'll we'll see Mm. but uh 
Rowlers won a championship not too long ago. My dad would be very excited if they if they uh, run it back and win another one. All of Belle Island it's, on pins and needles. That's why I'm so high on Bobby McMahon. I'll, I'll never forget. Yeah. ECHL champion Bobby McMahon. Yeah, who got a shout-out in Kyle Dubas' uh, media availability on sure, Monday. Don't think I didn't notice it. Yeah, it's no, uh, we, That's we my plan for all of tomorrow's show. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll have all the best insiders on the show, and mm-hmm. I will just be peppering them with, uh, so Bobby McCann, third line or second line mm-hmm. next year? Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the Leafs cap sheet. Here's all the stuff mm-hmm. they need to do. Uh, Bobby McMahon plugs all of the holes. Mm-hmm. That's what we'll do. We'll, and then the guests will walk out of the studio five yeah. minutes in. I guess it would be a little conspicuous for me to take like a vacation day on the final day of the show in this time slot then. Yeah. Also, I'm, you know, it's two hours solo from here. I'd appreciate <laughs> not having to do an extra two hours solo uh, on the way in. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. When we come back, um, we didn't get to Jimmy Butler's performance yesterday in game one against the Celtics and that Miami Heat team who was a play-in team being three wins away from the NBA finals, which is like... Even the words coming out of my mouth are just, like, mind-boggling because they barely beat the Chicago Bulls. But here we are, and then we got uh, game one or game two of uh, the, the West Finals going tonight to see if uh, the Lakers can bounce back, whether they figured out something with Nikola Jokic uh, with the Rui Hachimura defensive uh, scheme that they drew up against them. And we'll yeah, get you set for... I've got some thoughts. So we'll get you set for, for game four, Blue Jays and Yankees down at Rogers Center next. It's the fan drive time... It continues. Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet 360. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet 360, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy. Hey, by the way, there's a, a golf major happening right now. I, I was shocked to see a golf text from you today. You know why? Why? I was at the dentist this morning, oh. and it's what was on. You lean back, and they've got the TVs installed in the ceiling for yeah. you so that you can watch something. And they, uh, uh, my dental hygienist just handed me the remote, like turn uh-huh. on whatever. And I don't watch any day. Like, I had no idea what anything was other mm-hmm. than Jays in 30, and I'd already watched the game and the PGA Championship. Yeah, it's cool. Some of those uh, some of those holes look extremely <laughs> difficult. We got a nice little like while I was watching, we got the the nice hot start of like a guy out to minus four yeah. through six holes and then obviously unraveled after. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I texted you about some golf. No, you did. And you had a really interesting question, which maybe I'll get to in just a second. But I was shocked to see Bryson DeChambeau playing well. I mean, not shocked because I guess, you know, he's won a U.S. Open before, but at last check, he was pretty irrelevant to me. I know playing on the Live Tour, but not only that, like missing the cut at the Masters, looking yeah, what's like the just deal with that? He's just allowed horrible. to come back from the Live Tour? Yeah, well, that's uh, there's a, a growing concern about those guys' ability to continue to play in major championships because this is based on ranking points, world golf ranking points, which they are not accumulating on that tour, but they've already banked enough. Mm-hmm. And with his U.S. Open victory so recent, like he can right. obviously continue. Because I knew, I knew like the Open rules were well. You'd if you'd won it before, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? You keep me out? No. Like, yeah, that's, that's the rules. I uh, yeah, I'm less uh, in tune with you know the ranking system and stuff like that, and who qualifies for the majors. But I was like fairly shocked to like I look up and I'm like, oh, Brooks Kepka. Yo, yeah, no, <laughs> you watch the Masters. Brooks Kepka was like in the final group of no, the Masters. No, I Mas- know, but then he's like. He's around. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, he's, he's around. Back. Yeah, because this is a yeah, major. Um, yeah, he's around. 
and he was good at the Masters, so I remembered him being relevant again because apparently he was playing well in the Live Tour, but I I just assumed Bryson DeChambeau was broken forever. And it turns out not because, to me, he was the most intriguing man in golf, right? Before the Live Tour of it, like, when when he was, well, one, when he said that the Augusta National was like a par 68 for him, and so, like, anything worse than that is above par, and then... I don't think he's made a cut since uh, those statements. That was amusing. And, and he's the guy, and again, pardon my my golf, my relative golf ignorance, but he's the like he's the guy who like frames himself as like the more analytic guy, right? The, yeah, like, the, he's like, the, oh, the mad scientist. The oh, is that what? Yeah, he. So the, not only that, but he's the guy who has just turned himself into a behemoth, right? Like he has been in the gym. He's trying to hit the ball 450 yards off the tee that's, all his clubs are the same length like he has a very strange looking swing he wears the stupid ben hogan looking hat yeah he I've was always, the most intriguing guy i've always wondered with like the more jacked golfer like even someone the size of like john rom like how different your approach and your swing mechanics have to be versus someone who's like you know rory McIlroy. obviously rory's in very very good shape but he's mm-hmm. in like golfer shape he's not he's not like a Say that to his face. Fullback shape like DeChambeau is looking for now. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. I guess I'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's something to watch over the weekend, right? It's, uh, yeah. That's, hey, I asked you during a break what you're doing with your long weekend. Oh, yeah, I'll be watching golf at some point. You'll be be watching golf. Yeah, maybe I'll light some fireworks off and watch some golf. Although the the fireworks thing, I think, happens at night. All right, so I teased it going into the break. Uh, I, I just, man. This is quite a year where the prize at the top of the draft lottery was so huge. You can understand the tank and, and the Mavericks and the, the awfulness that surrounded that. Still but not understanding the Mavericks. How Like, they must be – I mean, no one in that organization has any shame, but, like, watching how the playoffs have unfolded no. and knowing that, like, in almost every series in the Western Conference, you, you could have had at least an argument that you have the best player. This will be one of the – the earlier paragraphs in the the feature that's written after Luca demands out of Dallas. This will be like one of the like yeah. this is when it started. I've to already shift. written it in my lead for when he becomes a Toronto Raptor. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyways, that's horrible. That's a horrible franchise. They made a horrible mistake because we have two playing teams in the final four, and one of them up one nothing in their conference final, the Miami Heat with a forty six point third quarter performance and like Jimmy Butler going ham it wasn't even the most fun quarter they turned in in my estimation that game because the first quarter was all kyle lowry Mm -hmm. and i he like he pretty much he wasn't a big factor in the game from there um but like we haven't seen a kyle lowry quarter since that since the first quarter of game six of the nba finals Mm. like he went full kalo Mm -hmm. uh for a bit there and not starting though and that gave jimmy butler the runway to Mm -hmm. uh you know ease into the game and find his spots. And I think the the Jimmy Butler versus the Jays, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is going to be a really fascinating wrinkle to this series. I think Spolstra has such a mass. I mean, he has a big coaching edge on everyone, but Joe Missoula, I mean, it took him a little bit to, to get there in the doc river series. Um, pretty big hill to climb to, you know, like his arm, his arms might be too short to box with Eric Spolster from a coaching perspective. <laughs> this is so unpredictable from, well, every standpoint, uh, except obviously you ask the players, like you ask Jimmy Butler, Kyle, hey, we knew we had this in us. And uh, despite the fact that we showed like very sparingly few flashes and injuries were part of it, I get, but like 
still, again, like everybody healthy and you just barely beat the Chicago Bulls in, in a play-in game. Like what? Yeah, well, I mean, no Tyler Hero ha- has been notable for for them. But okay. like that's, I mean, that's their number two scorer. Sure. Okay. So, so what is is this is supposed to be the most predictable sport, right? When we get yeah. to this time of year. But look at Jimmy Butler's entire career. It's break. Like Jimmy okay. Butler was is a that late- where we made the mistake is just like forgetting about playoff Jimmy. He was, but not even playoff Jimmy. Like his whole career is this. He's a late yeah. first round pick. No one like even going back to, like he was. I think the story is he when he found out that he got the scholarship to like he got a spot with Marquette. He was filling out a McDonald's application <laughs> because like he was in junior college and yeah. just like didn't think that was actually going to happen for him. And then he's a late first round pick. Then he does the thing of I'm not signing a rookie scale extension. I'm going to bet on myself, play out my RFA year to become a UFA, and then get the max. And then obviously you know at some point Chicago decides to move off of it and there's the Minnesota hilarity and uh you know the the year in Philly where he was the most terrifying guy on a team that had hitched their wagon financially to Embiid Simmons and Harris and Jimmy Butler was just like yeah we need one extra guy for this year (laughs) and we'll move on after like he was the most terrifying guy he's a guy like I still remember in January 2016 he had 40 points and a half against the Raptors he was like a non-factor in the first half but Damari Carroll caught him with an elbow before (laughs) halftime and then he came out in the second half and dropped 40 and a half. He broke MJ's record uh, for points and a half as a Chicago Bull and basically said after, like, no, it wasn't a big deal, but now I can't go on dates for a little while. So, um, because like he had been yeah. elbowed in the head and like that, like that ability to flip that switch. Anyway, the Jimmy of it all is amazing. There is obviously a Kyle Lowry element of some of the brain genius stuff that he does plays way more importantly in a tight game where every little thing matters. Whereas in game 37, in early January against Charlotte, mm. it maybe doesn't really make a difference. And, and honestly, it can skew annoying. Um, I think that they've found a good mix of keeping Bam happy with some touches, but not treating him like he's the one B because that just wasn't working. Um, and I think they're just like, they're super well coached on top of the Jimmy of everything. I don't think that anyone should have been like looking at them at the start of the playoffs and being like, Oh yeah, they're going to go to the conference finals and maybe the NBA finals, like on a, on, probability that just wasn't going to happen but like the core pieces are guys that you don't really want to bet against like eric spolster and jimmy butler and to a lesser extent at at this age playoff kalo like you just you don't really want to bet against those guys especially if you're running into a series of teams where you know the bucks one was a big upset but had you known going in that Giannis would get hurt and Miami would do some things that force Mike Budenholzer to make adjustments away from their base system. And he, of course, bets mm-hmm. like, no, our system will work over the long run and the heat just stay hot long enough. Now the Knicks was yeah. like, those two teams are pretty even all yeah. season long. That That's whatever. And now you're running into a team that is way more talented than Miami, mm-hmm. but like has been prone to laying clunkers and is not as mentally like they've had a lot of success, but there are and also always, are not done. Like they lost game five at home against yeah. the Sixers and bounced back. Yeah, the series isn't over. I just, I don't think anyone should be like, Oh, that's one game and Boston will figure it out. Like no. maybe Jimmy isn't quite that good or Tatum's a little better. Or Brown's a little better, but this is a, the series is going to be a dog fight. It's nuts. It is. It's truly nuts. Uh, I, I've been impressed uh, as far as an entertainment value is uh, concerned. With the Western Conference Final, Game 1 was sweet when it looked like it was going to be a blowout uh, as Jokic was un 
freaking reel for for three quarters, and then he had twelve rebounds in the first quarter. That's good, ridiculous. Really, he's I, and he finally like I am like if if I was gonna talk about my rooting interests in these four teams uh, the rest of the way, like the Nuggets with the Jamal Murray of it, but also that Jokic can just be now anointed as the best player in the NBA. I know he already has the two MVPs, but there was the, this whole cloud yeah. of playoff performance looming over everything but, that he can put that to bed. Which was because, like, the Nuggets, I mean, the Nuggets hadn't had playoff success, but he'd had more playoff success yeah. than, like, Joel Embiid. Like, right. he'd been to a conference finals. Of course. He'd been to the second round a couple times, and his numbers were bonkers. It was yep. just, like... Okay, what do you want him to do? Average fifty and twenty instead mm-hmm. of thirty and fifteen? Like I don't. No, and he was great, and 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 maybe it was just a matter of like also running out of gas in that game in the fourth quarter. But there were real adjustments made, and mm-hmm. Rui Hachimura was his primary defender with uh, Anthony Davis allowed to hang out uh, around the rim as like a deterrent uh, yes. in in tight and maybe something that works. I don't know if that can work over 48 minutes. I, I don't think it'll work over 48 minutes. I think you stick with it to start this game. Um, I, I think, you know, Anthony Davis getting to play kind of free safety and be a helper around the rim makes sense in ways that Raptors fans can appreciate from over the years where, you know, you think back to the Raptors buck series uh, during the championship run and the big game three adjustment of Kawhi basically being like, I'm guarding Giannis and the bucks don't make that adjustment back. And some of that is just stubbornness, but it's also that Giannis is Giannis has so much value guarding a guy in the corner and being able to help into the lane as a rim protector and to get his hands into passing lanes and driving lanes and things like that. Um, The very best defenders are, you know, 70% of the time, they're help defenders, right? Like Rudy Gobert isn't guarding a point guard one-on-one on the perimeter. It's that he can be around the rim on every single possession, not just when his man has the ball. That's kind of the thinking with Anthony Davis, especially because the Lakers don't have anyone else who naturally protects the rim. Now, you give Jokic a whole game against Rui Hachimura, like Jokic is going to break him down. He's, he started to a little bit late in the fourth. It's not like Rui's strong and he's a smart defender he's not an all-world defender like Nikola Jokic can figure that out and the Nuggets now get you know they've had two days to figure out different ways to you know cut around Nikola Jokic or how to space differently how to get him his post entries differently um, to you know make sure he's like as far away from Anthony Davis as possible and the cutting action isn't going right into Anthony Davis's rim protection area Um, you're gonna have another element of this as well um, where I don't know that they do this to start tonight, but the 32 minutes for Dennis Schroeder versus 10 minutes for Jared Vanderbilt when Jamal Murray's cooking like that, that's got to come back to closer to eat. Like Vanderbilt's probably the best Jamal Murray defender. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe that gives something back offensively. There, there are going to be a lot of adjustments and counter adjustments throughout this series. I, I think tonight you're probably going to see the Lakers start how they ended last game because that tends to be how these things go. Michael Malone and Nikola Jokic will have some different offensive packages to try to take advantage of that, not just with Rui, but, you know, how to keep the offense away from Anthony Davis's rim protection. And then, you know, the Lakers' next adjustment on top of that, if Murray has another good game, is probably going to be a little bit more Jared Vanderbilt. And, you know, we'll we'll see how it all flows from there. I think both of these teams, weirdly enough, can come out of that game being encouraged about what this one could look like because the Lakers are thinking, well, there's no way the Nuggets are going to shoot 47% mm-hmm. on threes again. And Contavious Caldwell Pope and Bruce Brown are both amazing. Oh, that was something but, I forgot to mention about that that Heat Celtics game is the Heat were like 60% from three. Which but is, this is the thing is like that game's <laughs> bank now though, right? Like the next one and we know we know the yeah. Heat can win like an 85-83 game. That's what they prefer. Yeah. Um anyway, so the Nugget the Lakers are probably thinking about that about the Nuggets, but also like the Nuggets are probably looking and like, yeah. 
Austin Reeves probably isn't going five of nine again. And you probably isn't he though? He is him. I mean, he was him for the first game of the playoffs and then he was not him for <laughs> weeks and now he's him again. I don't know. This is uh pending in, free agent, right? Austin incon- Reeves. Yeah. It, RFA um, inconsistent himness right. is, uh, is, is troubling there. And then, you know, maybe the Lakers lose something offensively if they have to funnel more of the Schroeder minutes to, to Vanderbilt or if it's not him, Lonnie Walker. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That, um, that series has the making of an all timer though. Yeah. And it, like, it's all timer from a basketball nerd perspective, looking at the adjustments and stuff, an all timer from, you know, is this LeBron's last go at this level? It's obviously a huge legacy thing for Anthony Davis, who had, by the way, 40 points in, in game one, which like was an under stated thing because mm-hmm. so much of it was like, Oh, yeah, Austin Reeves and Jokic. And, um, and yeah, it's probably like going to be the defining series of, of Jokic's career, win or lose uh, at least so far. And then, uh, yeah, we're one game closer to the Larry O'Brien coming back to Kitchener. Oh boy. Howdy. Hopefully uh, Jamal Murray has gotten some fluids since, uh, again, like he's yeah. still dealing with whatever, like he, he called and it Kevin Kiermaier. Ear- he called it an ear infection, but given that he was like, gassed and like coughing at times like i i wonder if maybe it's more like sinus infection mm. than just an ear infection ear infection doesn't tend to yeah. gas you so much as it messes with your equilibrium and uh his shooting equilibrium was just fine again. yeah it was so yeah uh chris bassett was dealing with that yesterday kevin kiermeyer springer still dealing with it i think springer is largely over it mm-hmm. but kevin kiermeyer not in the lineup again today but with the lefty on the hill might not have gotten the start either way against Nestor Cortez, who hasn't been nearly as nasty as he has uh, in years previous. Last he's year, nice especially. Nestor now. <laughs> he's, he's nice Nestor against even lefty uh, hitters as well. And the Blue Jays have a bonus one in there with no Vlad as Brandon Belt, as we mentioned off the top of the show, hitting eighth, uh, playing first base. Alejandro Kirk is the DH. Vlad, by the way, um, potentially available to pinch hit if you were worried about him missing a second consecutive game. Mm-hmm. John Schneider saying he's feeling better and it's possible he could be available to pinch hit. So they're not fully committing. But obviously, if that's on the table, they're not that worried about an IL stint because it resets the, the retroactive date and everything. Yeah. So that's a sign of good news. Yeah. And no, nothing structurally um, wrong with the knee. Uh, either, which was something that came out yesterday, also came out today. What you had something on that? Well, it just going back to that. There's just an all timer quote from Michael Malone uh, pregame. Uh, this is the first time a series has ever been over in people's eyes, uh, even though we're up one zero because Rui guarded Nikola Jokic for six possessions. Ah! So that's that quote is like a, a little exact and a little paraphrase from Dan Wojcicki, but yeah, that's the that's the idea of mm. uh, series over, even though we're up one nothing because Rui guarded him for six possessions. That's uh. So he also threw a bunch of shade at D'Angelo Russell the other day. Yeah. This is going to get spicy. Sorry to take what? us off, Jason. No, that's just... okay. I mean, I also saw the D'Angelo Russell's like, you don't want to, you got to keep him involved or else you could lose him for the series stuff, which is like, I, we're in the postseason. You're like, you're, you're, you're eight wins away from winning a title. Yeah. Really? We're going to lose you? Like, where are you going to go? Are you going to go off into Never Never Land because you, you... want to go back to Minnesota? I like... <laughs> Dude, that's as a. Uh... As tough an indictment on somebody's uh, character as I can never remember. That's a tough one. I, yeah, again, just a report, but uh, multiple people had it. Um, oh, yeah, and last thing on Blue Jays, too. Mitch White had a setback. Mm-hmm. So not only is everybody in the minor leagues, like, horrible, they're all awful, and even Mitch White's rehab wasn't going so great either. <laughs> and now he's back hurt again. So 
So yeah, the, the knock 30, on glass that the, all the starters remain as healthy as they've been. The 30 day rehab window does not reset just yet. Uh, the Jays are about a week away from the decision point on Mitch White at which they'd have to activate him or, or DFA him. But it is possible that the small silver lining there is, you know, if they have to shut him down again, you get to restart the rehab time. Sure. But the options but for your six man rotation plan are no, very thin. That's gone. And also like, it's not a problem roster wise now either because thomas hatch is currently in the bullpen i know well, adam, adam simber, simber is, is gonna uh, blah, 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 blah. figure it out you figure it out you need a, a, a at least a backup plan uh as a starter and i know there are some of the minor leagues but yeah nobody's nobody's been good but hey no. you know what you should do just stay as healthy as you've been forever and ever so, amen of the uh six buffalo bisons who have thrown the most innings uh mm-hmm. none of them have an era below 4.71 that's not what you're looking for at all like that's that's all very bad uh let's get you something good uh and it's last call brought to you by bet rivers it's a whole new game eastern conference finals game one of the stanley cup playoffs and uh it is the hurricanes favorite at home minus 143 against the panthers team that uh, at last check was pretty good on the road uh plus 123 blue jays trying to salvage a split of this series at Rogers Center against the Yankees uh, with Jose Barrios on the mound against a uh, nice Nestor Cortez. Jays are favored minus 139 and the Yankees plus 123. And then game two of the NBA's Western Conference Final, as we mentioned, uh, the difference maker Rui Hachimura going to guard Nikola Jokic. And uh, that's why the number is down to Nuggets favored by five. Nuggets minus five at home in game two, looking to take a two games to none series lead and that was last call brought to you by bet rivers it's a whole new game be interested to see the blue jays against the orioles coming up as well i mean the orioles and the rays both lost today like it's one of those days you can make up some serious ground in this division the rays and i know they've had a lot of trouble with the starting rotation but their bullpen has completely fallen apart like an era over nine yeah. over the last like some couple dr- of game like i think what 27 yeah. innings or something like some that? dramatic uh home runs yesterday by the mets in in the ninth inning and then in extra innings uh all right enjoy the baseball game everybody we will be back tomorrow fan drive time sports 590 the fan and sports 360